Hey honey, welcome to the Inspiring Honey Show. I'm your host, Gabrielle, and I'm so excited to hang out with you on today's podcast episode. Today is such a good one. We are talking to Abby from Emma's for Mama. She is just incredible. Um, some backstory on this episode. I started seeing this book float around social media um, and started seeing post people posting quotes about it, and I was really interested. Um, so I bought it for myself I started reading it and as soon as I started reading it I was like wow I love this book it's inspiring me in so many ways I have to have this woman on our podcast speak into this community inspire all of us so I reached out to her and I'm so happy I did because this episode is so good I know it's going to inspire you in so many ways and I'm just praying that the Lord uses it to speak into your heart wherever you're at this episode was so so fun um to record and just so inspiring in so many ways if you aren't familiar with Emma's for Mama it is a book that is truly changing the culture of mother for the better and it's just incredible um abby is a homeschool mom of 10 and she wrote this incredible book called emma's for mama she has a really big online presence now um and she has her own blog and she's coined the saying um hard is not the same as bad uh and i can't wait for you guys to hear the conversation we got to have and be as inspired um by her as i am this podcast season sponsor is tuvu T-U-V-U. Tuvu is an incredible app that's changing the game of social media. It's such an incredible space and I absolutely love being on this app. Being on this platform is incredible. If you haven't already, make sure to join the app. There's a link below in the show notes description. And for being an Inspiring Honey podcast listener, you get a whole year free, which is incredible. So go check that out right now. You don't want to miss out on that. It's an amazing app and it's a place I think you'd really love to be. Hello friends, welcome to the Inspiring Honey Show. I am so pumped about today's episode because we have Abby on the show. She has written a book that I have just been adoring and it's called Emma's for Mama, A Rebellion Against Mediocre Motherhood. Let's welcome Abby to the show. Thanks so much for being here. Thanks so much for having me. This is fun. You are so awesome. You are such a huge inspiration to so many mothers. Um, literally starting like I feel like such a huge rebellion and such a huge culture shift that has been so needed. Oh my goodness, that is such a kind thing to say, and it is something that I have seen the Lord doing. Mm. Um, I mean, I thank you for the credit, but I just, I think the Lord is moving in women's hearts to want something more than what our culture tells us, tells us about motherhood, and I'm, I'm so encouraged by soft hearts and open minds and listening ears. It's been a real blessing to see how people have responded. I love it. I know myself as a young mother, my oldest is three, my middle child is two, and my my newest baby is only two months old. So as a new mom, having other moms who have books out that are so filled with scripture and so um, inspiring to just rise above and, and be a mother who God is calling us to be is so helpful. I'm so glad. That was what I wanted to do. I wanted to give a very practical 
scriptural, like not my words, but what the Bible has to say about it, as well as my own experience in there, because we all want to see that someone has gone before, Mm -hmm. that someone has experienced the same struggles, that the word has been faithful in them, and that he will do the same for us. And that's what scripture promises us, that the word Mm -hmm. is faithful, that we will complete the work that he has begun in us for those who are called in Christ Jesus. And so as Christ-loving moms, that's like that's a rock solid promise that we can stand on. We just have to understand that that process may not always be easy at all. Definitely. And it makes me think of like the Titus two woman and how God calls older women to instruct the younger women and then in the next generation and to teach them how to be wives and to be mothers and how to honor him through that. Yes. And I feel really honored to get to do that. I started writing that book when I was 36. So Mm -hmm. I wasn't necessarily like, what lots of but I had lots of kids I was pregnant with my numbers nine and ten while I was writing it and um and so it was just interesting to be on that side where I'd had some people pour into me and really give me lots of um help and mentorship and wisdom my my own mom is such a source of inspiration for me and such an example for me and I'm so grateful for that because I know a lot of moms young moms just moms in general people in general these days don't have parents Mm -hmm. that they can honestly say they mentored me they discipled me they poured into me and so yeah I feel really really blessed to have had that in my life I do as well my mom is probably my best friend um and she's just incredible and it's just amazing though to hear from women who just love the Lord and and are out there wanting to help other moms, you know, be the most and mentor them. And um, so the first question that I ask anyone who ever comes on the podcast is, what are the most inspiring words that you have ever heard or read? Oh my goodness gracious, you should have prepared me. (laughs) (laughs) I knew when I... I, on the spot. <laughs> I knew when I asked you this question, you were going to have a good answer be, because before we started recording, you said how you're such a word person. And I'm like, oh, goodness, she's going to have a great, great answer to this. So <clears throat> the first thing that comes to mind that has really stuck with me as being something that I use to guide my life and I feel like it's scripture informed is not necessarily inspiring in the let's go get them sense. It's convicting. Mm-hmm. And it is actually um, something that I quote in the MS for mama book in the chapter about how we are the gatekeepers for the media that our family consumes and how it matters what we put into our minds and how it matters mm-hmm. what we meditate on. And the reason that this quote is in there is because it, I think can really direct not just how we choose media, but how we interact with um, people beyond our own families. And it's this, it was by a local pastor and he said, the most unloving thing you can do is watch someone walk along a path of destruction and do nothing to stand in their way. Wow. And I think we live in a culture that tells us that you do you is kind of the ultimate um, form of tolerance and love that we are to accept everyone as they are, even if they are sliding down a slippery slope of destruction, that we are to um, laud people's confidence, even if their confidence is in things that are anti-biblical and Mm anti-God. And so just that kind of very clear, like when we stand up and say, 
God's word is good and right and true, and it is profitable. And it is, I don't mean profitable in the, in the money sense. I mean in the, in the way that the Bible talks about it. It's profitable for teaching and for reproof and for maturity. In other words, it profits, it's, it profits us in that it grows us in Christ. And so when we are able to say, listen, I love you to our children, to the world, to our neighbors, to our coworkers, I love you and the Lord loves you. And because of that, I will not say, you know what, you just do you when I see you doing something that will lead you to destruction, the wide path of destruction as it leads us away from the Lord. I don't know, that just that struck me as so crucial, especially in this day and age mm-hmm. where we see kind of what the Bible describes as everyone doing what's right in their own eyes, mm-hmm. which never goes well. No, and I love that that was your answer because in the culture that we live in, in our society, like you said, it, it's whatever you want goes and it's your truth, you know, and it kind of seems like mm-hmm. truth is just this sliding scale. Um, and I really think that it's such a slippery slope. Um, and, and it's really scary and it's really just sad to see how fast it's taken over culture and how things okay. have changed. Um, I know as a mom, the shows that I allow in my home for my kids are very far and few between um Mm -hmm. like when we allow them to watch tv we don't have cable so so the media that I allow them to consume is very limited because there are so much um agenda and and politicized things in in everything even at the level of shows for for toddlers well, and I think it's becoming not just even at the level, but especially. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're talking about an understanding that, and this is going to sound paranoid to some or maybe too militant to others, but I really think that there is a very intentional and informed, as you say, agenda to say, if we get them when they're young, mm-hmm. we will have them when they're older. Now, thankfully, by God's grace, that is not always true. But outside of his saving grace and intervention in people's lives or people who love truth standing in the way of people who are heading toward destruction, it is true that when children are caught by deception, when they are caught by anti-biblical teachings, when they are caught by um, debauchery and an agenda that is of this world, the little g-god of this world, Satan, that they they will Mm -hmm. continue in it outside of, like I said, spiritual intervention in their lives it used to be more and more whether it's in offerings in public school libraries whether it's in um, messaging in media whether mm-hmm. it's in i mean just deplorable things like quote-unquote family-friendly drag shows mm-hmm. that's something that i've seen come up in the media more and more as if as if those words should ever even be in the same sentence, you know? Mm-hmm. And, and yet, I think you're right that you have to be so um, so aware and so selective and so on guard against the schemes of the evil one. It's literally what Ephesians 6 tells us to do. Mm-hmm. We are to put on the full armor and be on guard because he mm-hmm. is like a lion. He is roaring and prowling and seeking those whom he can destroy. And so we have to be vigilant to, um, to stand up for our families. Mm-hmm. Definitely. And I think that as the mother, um, what God has been been teaching me and showing me over just the past few years of being married and and having kids is how um, important the role of a mom is and and how much the mom 
really helps and, and shapes the the home and, and the heart of the children and, and what the children learn and see it, at least in our own family um and I guess one of my questions for you that I, I want to ask is what was your upbringing like I know you mentioned you're really close to your mom and you adore her so was your mom um a woman who raised you in the faith were you always a believer Yes, actually. Um, so my parents both come from really rough backgrounds where they were, um, <clears throat> to put it mildly, not treated well and did not come from <sighs> believing backgrounds in my father's case. And um, I would say either unbelieving or nominally believing um, in my mother's case. And so because of all of that abuse and those cycles of godlessness, which had come down even from generations above my grandparents, Uh, my parents, who were saved when they were in their teens, really felt this calling to be the generational curse breakers, to be the ones that were the hinge on which the door of our family and our generational history would turn. And so um, I got to experience their efforts in that were they perfect no for sure just like mine and yours aren't either but i think that when you i would think of gandalf from lord of the rings when he says you shall not pass you know and he he puts down his stuff i feel like that's what my parents did they said you know this this doesn't go as far as it depends on us and the lord it doesn't go any further than Mm -hmm. this we will not have these things be poured into our children the way that they were poured into us so yes i was raised being read the Bible on a daily basis. We would work through the one-year Bible plan, and we do that with our children as well. It's a it's a gift of a tradition that my parents have given me and that we have continued. Um, I was raised with, you know, goal as my guide. I was ra- raised by a mom who always told me to dig deep into Jesus, even when things were unfair, even when things, when I was emotional, even when, you know, when it would have been easier to be the quote, my mom is very nice, but to be the nice mom who just said, oh, honey, I'm sorry, you know, let's go get ice cream. We did that sometimes, but she was always very intentional to take it back to what the Bible has to say about it. And Mm -hmm. so I grew up with that really strong base because I think that they had recognized the damage that had been done for generations without it um i accepted jesus became a believer declared him as my lord and savior at a very young age um i was five but i distinctly remember it and there has never been a point in my life where i thought what am i really saved like was that genuine but it's it's a very you have a very uh you know immature very very infantile very even the bible describes it like you have spiritual milk that you're drinking you know and then you're supposed to mature beyond that um so five years old you don't get it but you understand that you are a sinner you understand that jesus died for you and so um the lord has grown me in the faith since then through a variety of circumstances but i am so grateful that both my parents made the effort to make my upbringing so different than theirs wow that's incredible. And to realize that your parents were the generational um, transition. And it, it makes me think of for the thousands of generations in, in um, 
the the one song and in, in scripture where it talks about for generations and generations God will carry on and I can see so much through my own family on my side and my husband's side generational curses and and ones that were broken and ones that still linger and I just think that and and generational blessings too you know of knowing the Lord and and that being passed down um yes. and I just think it's amazing uh, and really like I don't even know if the right word would be other than um, I guess empowering by the Lord to know what an impact we can have on our families um, through the Lord and through him, him changing our hearts. Like we can either allow those generational curses to come in or we can be the breakers of those and, and allow his blessing of belief to, to follow us. Amen. My um, publisher, I was talking to her. I, I just got the first sales report back for um, Emma's for Mama. And um, so they, they do them like six months. I, I, it may be different for different publishers, but and I'm a first time author as of last February. So um, this is my first go around with this. But we got our first sales report back. And um, and just as far as sales for books, um, Emma's for Mama sold over 40,000 books in the first six months. And wow. I was so excited by how many people were, were reading it. And I remember thinking that I had looked at the, um, I had looked at the, my contract and the fact that my royalties went up after 40,000 units that were sold. And I was like, well, that's great, but that's never going to happen. And then the Lord, the Lord did it in six months, not never, but in six months. And I was so like, Lord, people are hungry for this. This is amazing. But it's what my publisher said in response. Cause I said, this is so cool to see those numbers. Like as a concrete presentation, like representation of what's happening in people's hearts. But it's the messages that I get. It's mm-hmm. the people saying like, this has made a significant difference in the way that I view my children. This has made a significant difference in the attitude I have when my husband comes home from work after a long day of my mothering alone. This has made a difference in how I approach God's word. So that is, that just blows my mind. And it feels like such a privilege to get to partner with these women. And my publisher said this, and this is what made me think of this when you were talking about generation. She goes, Abby, it's not just those moms that are impacted. When the Lord changes their hearts, then their children get a changed mom. And then that child gets the opportunity to have a different growing up experience than they might have had otherwise. And then they get to raise their own child. And I just, I mean, I was just crying and my just waves of goosebumps going on because I thought, mm-hmm. what an incredible honor to potentially be part of breaking generational curses certainly not the main part, but an impetus for it, and then potentially setting, helping to set a a family on a path of generational blessings. That Mm -hmm. just blew my mind. That was the best. (laughs) Wow. I I have goosebumps as you're saying that. Like, first and foremost, congratulations on 40,000 copies sold. That's amazing. I I personally love this book. I heard about it from one of my mom friends and I knew I had to get it. Um, and I have been loving it. Secondly, how amazing is it that God put it on your heart to write this book for other moms? How amazing is it that he put it on your heart and you were so obedient to do this and, and to step forward? I feel like a theme of my show this season, which is so un- so unintentional, but God knows what he's doing is just how everyone um, who I've talked to has different things that God has put on their heart and they said yes to him and they walked in obedience not knowing where he's going to take them and it just brought so much fruitfulness not for them but to just glorify his name even more and that's so apparent with this 
Oh, thank you. That is definitely what my heart's desire was. That is definitely what I prayed going forward. Um, I wrote Emma's for Mama um, during 2020, um, such a strange year, and it was made even stranger for me by the fact that I was pregnant with my second set of identical twins. Um, my numbers nine and ten were named Titus and Toby. They're two-year-old toddlers now. They're so much fun and a lot of work, <laughs> but so much fun. Um, and just I I signed my book contract before I was pregnant, got pregnant, and was like, okay, Lord, I mean, this is this is you but the funny thing is they always talk about in the book world they talk about writing a book kind of like gestating and giving birth to a baby because it's usually about a nine-month process yeah and um and then you you put all this effort in you, you put all this you know nurturing in and then you bring it to life and it, the launching process of a book is a whole thing it's a lot of work and so it was just such an interesting parallel to see being literally pregnant with not just one but two babies in this whole process and how the lord carried me how he um and i really wanted to be done with the manuscript before i had them and so i was i was working very steadily on it um but i didn't i didn't quite make it which was fine i i had time after they were born and i just love that i'm so glad i didn't make it because there are parts in the book where i talk about things that the Lord taught me even after they were born and the two months before the book was due and the two months after they were born. And I was like, Lord, you knew, you knew what needed to happen. It's mm -hmm. just, it's been so evident that his hand is on it and that he is the one that is guiding where it should go and who it should reach. And that is the way it should be. Wow. That's amazing. And I love that your plan was to have it done before they were born. And he was like, no, no, you got to do it after because he had more for you to say. Yeah, exactly. So when you were growing up, did you grow up in a big family? Because you have 10 children. Um, <laughs> that is what most people would do. <laughs> I did not. I have one older brother. Wow. So as a little girl, um, did you always, and as an adult, did you always want to have tons of children? Did you feel that calling on your heart? Like, what did that look like from for you um, into the journey of, of motherhood and mothering 10 beautiful kids? So I am kind of an unlikely mother of many. I never dreamed of having lots of kids. I never thought about kids much either way. I was a, um, I was homeschooled and I, the, what's funny is you can have all kinds of different homeschooling experiences, just like you could have all kinds of different private and public school experiences. And I say that having taught high school Spanish in uh, public school, private school, and a homeschool co-op. So I've, I've been in it all, even though I was homeschooled myself. But there is kind of this lingering stigma that homeschoolers, you know, don't have a lot of opportunities. And homeschoolers that are really involved in community things and social circles just laugh because they're like, we're a little bit too over-socialized. We, like, we do everything. <laughs> like, we have, we have a freer schedule during the day, so we're, like, doing all the things. So I yeah. played sports, and I sang in chorale, and I... Uh, did plays at the community theater and my best friend who was also homeschooled lived a mile up the road and we would get up early at like 5 a.m and do all of our school and then we would like play all day you know and then we would learn through life experiences baking whatever and so um we had this kind of unconventional upbringing that I enjoyed so much and I just wasn't I'm not a big dreamer 
I'm not a huge planner, and I don't think super far into the future. I am a very practical person, and I do the thing that's set in front of me now, if that Mm -hmm. makes sense. So I didn't have this big dream in my heart for a large family. I had almost no experience with young children, having no younger siblings and not being around a whole lot um, in my neighborhood or, or anything like that. I had maybe changed like five diapers in my life before I became a mother working like the church nursery um i really did not have a natural like what you typically picture as the girl who's going to sit down and play with dolls for a long time or is going to ooh and awe over babies um i never pictured myself with four kids two boys two girls their names are seth and daniel and jenna do any of that and i knew i had friends who did but what i did have remember as a mom and a dad, but my mom was the most present because she was home homeschooling us while my dad worked really hard as a one-income household to keep her home with us, and he often worked 13-hour days and drove one hour both ways to get home, so he wasn't necessarily around a lot during work weeks, but my mom was always there, and she was always pouring scripture into me, and so even though I come from a household of only one sibling, my parents would have happily welcomed more, and my mom's body just couldn't handle it, so I think I... I had always grown up with this mindset of children are a blessing. We are open to what the Lord has for us, and this is the family that he has for us. Mm -hmm. And um, so having that open-handed approach, um, having a mom who had very frank discussions with me about birth control and the effects that Mm -hmm. hormonal birth control can have on your cycle, on your hormones, on your fertility, um, also, the fact that it can be an abortive patient, which some people don't know, that it, one of the ways that it works can actually abort mm. fertilized embryos. So having kind of all of that and being a practical person and being kind of a, a linear thinker, kind of an analytical person, the conclusion that I came to biblically was that Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, which says very famously, trust in the Lord with all your heart, lean not on your own understanding, in all your ways acknowledge him and he will make your path straight applied to my fertility as well. And Mm -hmm. I remember thinking that through and praying that through as a 14-year-old who had no concrete plans to be a mother, but an awareness that I could be, you know? If Mm -hmm. I I got married, I would probably have kids. And if I had kids, then the Lord was the one that should determine that path, just like he should determine if and when I went to school, who, if and when I got married, and to whom, where I should live, what car I should buy, you know, I feel like sometimes we compartmentalize our fertility away from other decisions that we say are committed to the Lord, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. And so um, having grown up in that very open-handed environment, having grown up just soaked in scripture, having grown up with a mom and a dad that both emphasize saying, if the Lord wills, we will do this or that and go here or there. That's the approach that I had to motherhood. Now, of course, having a mom who had a lot of miscarriages and struggled with fertility, I had no idea what my body would do. It could have been exactly the same. I could have struggled with the same things. So the fact that the Lord has given me 10 children, they're all approximately two to three years apart in, let's see, my oldest was 14 when I had my second set of twins, and he gave me twins twice, and I was actually pregnant with a third set of twins in the middle there, and we um, had something called vanishing twin syndrome, where your body recognizes that there's a problem with the pregnancy and just reabsorbs one of the babies. Um, So I've actually been pregnant with twins three separate times, and the fact that the Lord said, you know what, 
your particular open-handed approach to this is going to look like this, even though your mom's looked very different. Mm-hmm. It's, I mean, it's as much a surprise to me as anybody, but it's a good surprise. Wow, I love that. I, um, I really, really love that. I love how you talk about homeschool because my husband, like backing up a little bit, my husband was homeschooled and I feel like and I feel led right now um we're still praying through it but like 90% sure we're going to be homeschooling our boys you know and I just love hearing stories about people who were homeschooled and loved it um I love how you talked about how hormonal birth control is so um serious you know it's not just take a pill and all right whatever it's it's a big deal you know anytime we put anything into our bodies is a huge huge deal I'm a cancer survivor um so Anytime any medicine is consumed, that's a huge deal to me just because of everything I went through. And I've always had my convictions on it. And being someone who they weren't sure if I was going to be able to have kids or not, and the Lord has completely blessed me with health in that way. Um, that's amazing. That's always been something on my heart. So I just thank you so much for being candid and sharing that. And I just want to say like how incredible it is that the Lord had um, given you an open handedness and, and how clear it is from the outside to see how he was purposely setting you apart, probably to help this ministry that you, he's had you start with your book and everything else he's going to have you do to impact the mothers, um, who are reading what you write. Well, and I will add this, that was just another confirmation. Um, I, I have only ever had two serious boyfriends in my life, and I'm married to the second one, and I was engaged to the first one, and I remember in marital counseling, um, we were having discussion of children, which is something that comes up, and I remember expressing my concerns with birth control, both from a moral perspective and a health perspective, mm-hmm. and um, neither my fiance at the time nor the pastor had really thought through it very much, and they both thought I was overreacting. I think from a man's perspective, if it seems like something like you said, that you can just pop a pill and it, quote, fixes a problem, but from a woman's perspective, when you're thinking, well, what does this do to my body? Mm -hmm. What does this do to my future children? Like, this is, like you said, it's a big deal. It's something to be prayed through and researched, and they hadn't, and so I remember they both kind of looked at me a little askance, and it was almost a situation, and I, I don't blame them. I just don't think that they had enough information, but it was almost a situation where they I felt like they were patting my head a little bit, like, okay, don't overreact. It's going to be fine. Well, the Lord worked out that situation so that I did not marry that man, and he was a great Christian guy, but I'm grateful that he then brought me to my husband, Sean. And so when we were on our second date, number two, <laughs> second date, like we had two dates in a row, one the night before, and then he came and picked me up from a concert. I remember sitting in his car and the Lord saying, tell him now so you don't get in, you already like him, so you don't get in too deep and have, um, have you know, this, this love for this man who is not on the same page for you, with you for this really important issue. And I remember just telling him straight out, hey, I know that we just started dating, but this is who I am. I am open-handed about this, and that could mean that I have, I remember, I remember Gabrielle that I said to like, I mean, it could be six kids. I'm just saying. (laughs) (laughs) And I remember he just looked at me and like barely paused, and he was like, I'm good with that. So I find out later that he has only, he only has two brothers, so he doesn't come from a big family either. And, um, and I, later he was like, oh, I was thinking eight. 
which of course now we have 10. (laughs) The Lord knows what he's doing. But that was such a confirmation to me to find this man that instead of patting me on the head and saying, oh, honey, you're overreacting, was like, bring on the kids. I love it. And so, I, yeah, the Lord knows what he's doing, always. I love that. That's incredible. I think it's so cool how um, you said, like, we could have six kids. And the Lord basically, like, doubled that. Yeah, yeah. He was like, ha. Oh, literally, that's like the story of my whole life. You know, I think I'm going to do one thing and God makes me do a whole 360 and like spins me around a few times. But that's amazing that God gave you that confirmation with your husband. Like first and foremost, he gave you the conviction, right? And and you felt that from the Lord, which I think is incredible because so often it's so easy to ignore, you know, that discernment, that voice of the Lord. And, and so often we can kind of try to like talk ourselves out of things, you know, that seem contradictory to what sure, other yeah. believers are doing. Um, but it's just so incredible to hear that you stuck to your convictions. You knew it was from the Lord. You decided to follow his path and the Lord was faithful to bring you a man who was also convicted of the same thing. Um, so when you guys got married, right, like what did the conversations then look like for having children? Did you just start trying for kids? Were you just like, all right, God, like, whenever we start having babies we start having babies like how did that then start looking for you guys so I think we have an interesting cultural conversation going on and I'm going to step on some toes here but that's okay if I if I give people if I give people some food to chew on just know that it's not coming from a place of condemnation but it's a place of like hey find out what the Lord has for you in this area don't Mm -hmm. just necessarily follow the cultural narrative because we have a cultural narrative that was practically non-existent before Margaret Sanger came on the scene and introduced birth control into our society. Mm. And that is the concept of, quote, trying for a baby as if the result mostly or entirely depends on us. Um, So before, in the past, yes, women have understood their cycles. Yes, natural family planning has been a thing for hundreds of years, thousands of years, where you, you, you understand fertility awareness and the ability to recognize the signs that you're ovulating and you can abstain or you can engage in sexual intercourse during that time. Like Those are, those are things that people have known for a very long time. However, I think we've lost a lot of that, mm. like kind of that knowledge, because so many women are flabbergasted, like they are either on a chemical pill that keeps their body from doing its normal cycle so they don't have those signs to recognize, or no one's ever told them to look for these signs. No one has ever said there is a way to know when you are fertile, Mm -hmm. and there is a way to be either proactive or um, abstain. And so we, and I don't know that I, that I fully understood all of that when I got married either. I had, you know, vague understandings, but I had never had anyone sit me down and say, hey, um, the body that God made you is amazing and it is intricate and wonderfully made, but also it's made with order and design and a purpose. And one of those purposes is having children like you of all people, you as a woman, you're the only one that's gifted with a uterus and ovaries and the ability to ovulate and the ability to carry and nourish life and, and deliver it. So this is something to take as a, um, as a really amazing gift, not necessarily something to be looked at as a curse. And I, I think childbearing 
is viewed very much so as something to be avoided at all costs unless you have decided that it shall happen in this window. Mm. And um, again, this would not have been the way childbearing would have been viewed in centuries past. Um, and so I, as, as I approach this concept of like, how, what did that look like going forward in our first, um, in our first several months of marriage, we basically just approach the intimate side of marriage as enjoying it and come what may. Mm. And we got pregnant with our first, because we didn't, that's the other thing that I wanted to say. We have now, as a result of chemical birth control, divorced the concept of intercourse and procreation. We have said that the two do not have to mean, do not have to be connected. One does not have to mean the other. In the past, procreation was always going to have the possibility or excuse me intercourse was always going to have the possibility of of producing life Mm. and now we think of them as almost separate things that only are mixed when we choose to mix them and so because we didn't have that mindset because we had the mindset of um marriage is for the purpose of expressing a physical representation of the spiritual union of christ and his church it is for our own companionship and growth together as Christians, and it's also for procreation. Those are those are some of the main things biblically that we can find as the purposes of marriage. So going forward in those first several months, um, we just opened our hands and said, Lord, come what may, mm. and we ended up getting pregnant within three months. And I remember um, I was teaching high school Spanish at a private school, and I remember when we announced it, which wasn't for another five months, I think. I think we didn't say anything until, and I wasn't showing super early. So probably not until I was like 20 weeks. So it's probably eight months of marriage in. I remember we announced it at the, at the school. And one of the ladies that worked at the school, her response was, oops, accidents happen. Oh, my gosh. And this is a Christian woman. I still know her now, and she is precious. But I think that it is very easy to become inundated with the messaging of this world, Mm. which is that there is no possible way that someone in their first marriage would have intentionally had a child because that's either irresponsible or um, you've given up your best years to babies or you haven't gotten to know each other yet. Like there's, there's, there's a lot of messages we hear about what you're supposed to do and not do in those first two to five years of marriage. We had um, marriage counselors again, who were associated with our church that we went through a course with to get married with this church and uh, by the pastor of this church. And their number one piece of advice was do not get pregnant too early. Um, And we knew right away that we were probably not with the right marriage counselors for our mindset and also that we were going to disappoint them if the Lord blessed us with kids because we weren't doing anything Mm. active to prevent. And so when that lady said accidents happen, I remember my mouth falling open a little bit and I just wasn't prepared. So I didn't have a response, but if I were my age now and someone said that to me, I would say absolutely not. The Lord with the Lord, there are no accidents, and he has planned this baby, and we are mm. so grateful for him. And so um, we and, and we were rejoicing, Gabrielle, because what happened was uh, because the Lord didn't allow us to get pregnant until three months into our marriage, I got to finish the school year and had this baby one week after I finished my finals. I thought the timing oh. was amazing. 
Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and other people were viewing it as an oopsie or stupidity. And um, we have practiced natural family planning going forward for spacing, which inc- involves abstinence. It involves self-control. But the idea of, um, of the Lord always being the one that ultimately opens and closes the womb and gives us our ultimate number of children mm. is always what we've stuck with. My husband and I have had, you know, a pretty similar experience. Our kids are all, are very close in age, and we have a little uh-huh. bit of a different testimony. We actually got pregnant before we were married um, okay. with our first son, and soon after, we, um, you know, the Lord walked us through such a season of repentance and uh, such a very interesting season, but soon afterwards, we had our second son, Luke, and Luke, um, Luke was born 21 months after we had Caden, and we knew that he was such a gift from the Lord, Caden, and we knew that we wanted to to honor the Lord in our family, and, and when Luke came, so many people were, like, shocked, you know? So many Christian people were like, what? You guys want to have another one? Like, you're crazy. Like, another, like, they were just, the things that people had said, and then the things, again, when people said when I got pregnant with my third son, Truett, just shocked me, and I think it's because our culture has adopted this idea, which really breaks my heart, and, and so many people just view children as um, a burden, and they uh-huh. don't view them as a blessing. Like, so many people, it, it just breaks my heart to see the way that children are just mocked online, and you talk about that a little bit in your book, how, like, like um, different memes for moms that populate and, and just talk about children in such a negative light. Uh, what is your best advice and, and what do you say to help combat that negativity that just surrounds motherhood that's just honestly disgusting and, and so heartbreaking? So I think one of the best things that we can do when we are confronted with lies and and, and the facts, the, the lie, the memes, the, the snarky jokes, the hey, if you think two is bad, just wait. It only gets ten times worse. You know that kind of that I kind of that. forecasting of doom and gloom over our children, which we know from Scripture that life and death are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat of its fruit. Mm. Those who love life will eat of the fruit of life. Those who love death will eat of the fruit of death. And we may not think that we are loving death and speaking. understand Mm. and then choose to be 
joyful about your children, even if you don't feel it. Mm -hmm. Now, this is different than fake it till you make it. Because the fact of the matter is we do love our children, right? We do feel joy in them. And we do recognize that even on those days when we haven't had enough sleep and the toddler is sassy and the baby has, you know, wiped poop all over the walls and taken her diaper off in her crib again. Me yesterday. Yes, exactly. Any 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 day of my life. Um, <laughs> pick one. Wednesday, Friday. It could happen. Um, that that does not define who God says these children are. That they mm. are cherished and that they are welcomed by Him and that they are image bearers of Him. And I tell my kids this sometimes because we were just talking to one of our teenagers and he was kind of saying that it really bothers him that when he is introduced to people, see, it's not just moms that get this. When he is introduced to people and they find out how many kids, uh, how many kids are in our family, how many siblings he have, he has that they roll their eyes and treat him differently. What? And what we told, yeah, that, well, again, it goes back to swallowing that cultural message of children mm. are a burden and children and having more than one or two of them is um, foolish. And so even children, even teenagers, even 10 year olds can absorb that. They, they listen to what we say. They, they ingest what we pass down to them and then they regurgitate it. And mm. so these children respond to my son with snarky comments and it makes him feel very ostracized and what we told him is what i tell moms when you get that pushback i want you to say boldly the truth which is i love my family they are a blessing to me and it is awesome having this many siblings and i say it's awesome having lots of kids and um, i'm grateful for them Mm. and gabrielle if you are willing to stand up for truth and be joyful and confident in it, nine times out of ten people will back down. Mm, yeah, They will be convicted. They will be encouraged if maybe they didn't even believe what they were saying, but they thought you were supposed to say something snarky. I have so many moms that were like, you know what? I love my children and I see them as a blessing, but I'm around this group of moms that only speaks negatively and I feel mm. so intimidated that I go along with it and I don't even think it. I actually like my kids and I find myself saying ugly things about them to fit in. Wow. And I, I really think part of being called to be salt and light to the world mm-hmm. is being so radically different than whatever nonsense our culture is passing out, whether it's about marriage or whether it's about children or whether it's about um, how, how we should live and work as Christians or about media. But if we simply are willing to boldly speak truth in kindness, to always be willing to give an answer for our faith, and it says in gentleness, and all reason, Mm -hmm. if we're willing to do that, people whose hearts are soft and who have the Holy Spirit working on them will benefit so greatly from our boldness. I just really Mm -hmm. encourage people not to back down in the kindest way possible. I couldn't agree with that more. And I I think one thing that um, God has really been showing me, which is kind of contradictory to a lot that we're told, even within the Christian community, um, is kindness you know everything I do is centered around Proverbs sixteen twenty four. kind words are like honey sweet to the soul and soothing uh, to the body but what God has recently really been putting on my heart and, and showing me um, in so many ways is that being kind doesn't always necessarily mean how we think of it in a cultural way being kind means speaking truth and speaking truth which is only God's word Sometimes might it is kind, but to other people it might not sound kind because it can be 
really blunt and it can be hard pills to swallow if you're not living for the Lord and it's really convicting. So um, when we speak things and, and when we stand up for what we believe in, it might not always be perceived as kind, but that's really the kind thing to do because it's speaking truth. It's exactly, yeah, I, I 100% agree. And the, the quote that I gave you from that pastor that I was talking about where the most unloving thing you can do is watch something walking down the path of destruction mm-hmm. and do nothing to stand in the way. If you turn that around, the most loving thing you can do is take a stand in the middle of the road and say, hey, there is a better way. Mm-hmm. And you're right. For those who don't have ears to hear and hearts to perceive, it will sound like death and judgment. Mm-hmm. For those who are able to discern or for whom you have planted a seed that they will later flourish and grow because the Lord waters it with other people confirming that, mm-hmm. we'll be able to eventually see that this person was doing this out of love for me, not because not because they hated me, but because they quite the opposite. They wanted God's best for me. And, and how amazing is that? to know and to lay it at his feet and truly know like it's not our responsibility how they receive it you know we're just called to honor God in our words and all of our actions so we say his truth and then he's gonna he's gonna take care of how they perceive it God is gonna soften the hearts of those he intends to soften and he's gonna harden the hearts of those he intends to harden and God is gonna grow faith and and God is just gonna do what he does it's not up to us we're just called to to speak and be obedient for him Absolutely. Um, so as you are starting to have beautiful children and, and you're able to be blessed with so many children, did you ever think that you were going to have a ministry? Like, how did this happen that now you have this incredible ministry, a huge following online, a very successful, very impactful book that's doing kingdom work? Did you feel the call into ministry? Like, how did God put you where he has you today oh goodness that is something that i have been contemplating recently um so i wanted to be an author basically since i was old enough to write six Mm -hmm. or seven years old i loved to write stories i loved to write essays i was an english spanish major in college um and i I've always been a word person, and I love grammar, I love, you know, sentence structure, I just, it's, it's my passion, and yet, again, I told you, I'm not a dreamer, I'm not um, a pie-in-the-sky type, I am such a pragmatist, and so, as the Lord brought along, um, child after child, and I talk about this some in, um, in my book, on the chapter about profession of motherhood, mm. how the Lord really had to recalibrate my focus because yes, I was open-handed about the kids that he gave me. Yes. I, um, I believe that motherhood was my primary calling. Um, I continued to work part-time for my first two kids when they were little. And then I stayed home and started homeschooling them and have, um, not gone back into any kind of official full or part-time workforce. Although, a lot of people would definitely view me as a working mom because of being an author and having presence on social media and having obligations for that. But for the longest time, I just wrote, um, actually wrote a novel when I was in my twenties. That one will never see the light of day. Thank goodness. <laughs> and and I and I did the whole. Um, but but the significance of that is that I did the whole um, querying process, which goes along with getting an agent and. Um, 
and getting a publisher. And it is a very daunting process to be, uh, because I was nobody. I had no presence online. I had no interest in a presence online. I barely had any social media. I didn't enjoy spending time online. I didn't like to take pictures. I didn't like none of it. I didn't do any of those things. And so um, I was just focusing on my little family, but I had written this novel that I really enjoyed writing, and I'd done the clearing process, had a bite here or there, um, but it was such a an intensive process and so something that you could easily get wrapped up in as a focus that the Lord really showed me over and over again that I was supposed to pull back and not do that as much. Now, I don't think that that book was worthy of being published now on the other side of it 10 plus years later, but... Um, it was it was a good experience for me to see what all of that striving produced, which was a lot of frustration, a lot of uh, feeling like even though I believed children were a blessing and I and I held that in my heart, the practical application of that could often be that they quote got in my way because I had emails to answer and queries to send and and you know so I think it's interesting that you can firmly believe something in your heart and mind. But it's not until the Lord takes you through the process of internalizing that and really putting you through the fire, in this case of motherhood, of mothering young children. Because I will say this as a side note. One of the number one questions that I get asked a lot is, how many children were the hardest number for you? And people are always amazed that the answer is two. Um, Two children when they couldn't do anything, when they were little bitty, because our first two are 18 months apart. And people did definitely look at me askance and say, like, oh, my goodness, I can't believe that you got pregnant again nine months after having a baby. What were you thinking? Why did I, you know, all those things. And I remember thinking, like, okay, Lord, I wouldn't have chosen this close together. I wouldn't. This is your timing, not mine. We'll have to see what you do, you know. Mm -hmm. And so um, having two close together that were so needy and so, you know, no older ones to help no context for motherhood. Remember, I didn't grow up with a lot of little children. I didn't grow up with siblings to practice on, so to speak. And so that whole process of pursuing publication with small children and the Lord saying, your focus is these little souls that Mm -hmm. you're being asked to invest in and pulling back and saying, okay, Lord, I'm going to trust you that you've given me this desire for a reason, but it's not now. Mm -hmm. And so about, um, uh, we, our third baby is our biggest gap because we had a miscarriage in between the second and the third. And so we have three years between um, Simon and Della, who are 14 and 11. Um, and they're turning 12 and 15 this month. So about 12 years ago, I had this desire in my heart to start um, to start writing online didn't really know what I was doing. My husband is a software developer, and so he's way techier than I am. And so he encouraged me to kind of use nap times or little spaces of time and little breaks that mm-hmm. I had to um, to pursue kind of some writing. And I started a blog. At that point, it was called Five Days, Five Ways, and I actually blogged a different topic of uh, the week of the day, five days a week. So five different topics on five days a week. It was crazy. <laughs> um, and I did that for about a year and it was very intense and it was a lot of work. And in that process of starting that blog, so I would potentially have a readership one day for a book. Now this is 12 years ago. So this is 
long, long time removed from when this book is actually published, which is crazy to me how God's timing works. Mm. And I only had little children still. My oldest was four and a half. My youngest was a baby. Started this blog, got into blogging. You know, I'm one of those all or nothing, like, I'm going to do this. And my blog was, I was a DIY blogger primarily because we had built a house and I was doing kind of the house process. So it was very different than a motherhood perspective. Um, And so a readership grew pretty quickly, but then I got pregnant with my first set of twins and man, pregnancy with twins is a doozy. And the Lord was like, you need to back off again. This is, this is still not the right timing. And Mm -hmm. um, about a year later, he prompted me to change my blog name to Emma's for Mama as a reminder of what my primary ministry and calling is during the season of mothering people who live in my home. And to remind myself, I actually, actually, right now, I'm wearing a disc around my neck with an M on it, not because my name starts with an M, but because it's a reminder to me of um, one of the main roles that the Lord has given me. And I wear it around my neck. And so the name of my blog is Emma's for Mama. And I actually went to a blogging conference about a year after Evie and Nola and my girl twins, who are 10 now, were born, right after I changed my blog name. And they had some agents there. And I pitched a book idea, although I did not have everything. I had ideas. I had um, topics, but I didn't have a holistic theme yet. And I had several people that were like, Emma's for Mama is really catchy. That's actually a great name. We could market that. We could do that. Here, follow up with me. So that was really encouraging, but I still had this check. So this is nine years ago. Still had this check in my heart that I wasn't there yet. The Lord wasn't ready for me to do this. I had a lot of lacking of confidence, but I think it was from the Lord. Like literally he was like, I have not given you confidence yet that you're ready to go and you still have five children seven and under you know this is this is not the right timing so I continued to write faithfully on my blog um called Emma's for Mama and then I started um doing more on social media and writing doing more microblogging and so more just quick crunches of message, kind of microcosms of those motherhood encouragements and um, focusing on the concept that motherhood is hard, but hard is not the same thing as bad, which mm-hmm. is something that I've kind of gotten known for saying. And um, so just little, like, at the time, I remember telling my mom once, like, Mom, I don't know how I'll ever fit this in. Like, it's not going away. The desire to do this is not going away. And you know I'm not a... You know, I'm not a dreamer, so I don't understand why I have this, but I don't have the ability to do it now. And she kind of was trying to encourage me. It was like, you know what? Somebody else will do it. Like, if the message needs to go out, it doesn't have to be you, which <laughs> was kind of discouraging because I was like, oh, well, it doesn't matter if I do it or not. But, <laughs> but she was just trying to say, like, you know, you have a lot going on. Don't put this pressure on yourself. So I let it go. It was just a constant, it was a constant process of the Lord saying, give it back give it back like it's not yours to hold if it happens it will be mine Mm. and let me tell you when it did happen it was absolutely his I was uh walking through my bedroom holding my phone in my hand after having just put my um number eight Shiloh down for a nap and I was thinking I was looking at my to-do list on my phone like okay I need to do laundry I need to answer that email I need to but I was about to put my phone away so that it didn't distract me and an email came through and it was from a publisher but I would get emails a lot from publishers uh, who wanted me to promote books for their clients hey this is so-and-so just released this book would you be interested in doing a giveaway or so I had this fleeting brief 
what I would call a micro fantasy just flashed through my mind of, oh my goodness, wouldn't it be amazing if it was just someone that was saying, hey, we want you to publish a book. And, but I was like, nah. So I started to put my phone away and something caught my, I don't even remember the phrase that made me look at it again. And it was exactly that. It was someone who had been following me for years, who was a publisher at Harvest House Publishers, which is my publisher. I love them. Her name is Heather. She's fantastic. We're good friends now. She'd been following my blog for years and had babies at the same time that I had, had been personally encouraged by what the Lord had given me to say about motherhood and just wanted to know if there was any chance that I would like to sign with them. Like, skipped the agent process, skipped the querying process, skipped the, like, uh, proposal. Like, mind-blowing. Like, this happens to somebody else, Lord. This doesn't happen to me. I just goosebumps, just sat there staring. Shot a screenshot to my husband, who was on a work trip, and he usually can't answer super quickly in text when he's on work trips, but I got a response immediately, like, praise the Lord, that's amazing. Like, I'm praying for you. And so that started the process. That will be, it was actually three years ago this month. Um, But at that point, I had fewer than 20,000 people that followed me on Instagram. Um, So three years ago. And um, I have to think about it, but I guess that's uh, like seven or eight times as many now. And it was honestly the year 2020, as I was writing Emma's for Mama, that made my following explode because people were hungry for, they were hungry for truth. They were hungry for people who didn't give them platitudes. They were hungry Mm -hmm. for something solid for, for things with meat and nourishment. And, um, so the Lord just, I don't know. He just did it. He just did it, Gabriel. I don't. I can't even claim credit for it. But my husband always says, "You were faithful and you were consistent, and that mm-hmm. matters." And I think that's true. I think we can't just sit on our hands and say, "Well, the Lord will just make it happen mm-hmm. if He makes it happen." When He gives us convictions to walk in faith, we have to do it. We have to put in the work. Mm-hmm. But He's the one that brought the harvest. Like that's the truth. Wow. That's amazing. I know that um, I've had a lot of different friends who've published books. I'm currently signed with an agent who I love. And I just think it's amazing that God had put this on your heart for so long. uh, And you were just so obedient. And that when the time came for him to have you write this book and, and have this message, you didn't have to do anything. He literally just opened the door and told you, be obedient, walk through this. And he really did. And it, it was just mind-blowing. It was just such a, I feel so undeserving of it because I know that it is, I know from personal experience, it is such hard work. And it is such hard work to write the books. It is such hard work to even be heard, mm-hmm. to get a publisher to even like, but that's the other thing that my husband told me because he's, he's very practical too, but he's also very encouraging. He's a fantastic human being. <laughs> he's my favorite human. But he he said, you know, Javi, just think about all those times, because there have been a lot of things that I've said that while they drew people because uh, the people that were looking for something countercultural and truthful, they made a lot of people angry. Mm. And there are a lot of people that don't want to hear um about biblical truth and so um and i don't i don't set myself up as like well i'm the only one speaking this i'm not thank god there are lots of people speaking truth and the lord is is bringing the harvest there as well Mm -hmm. but i think that what my husband told me he said you know what's interesting is 
that this lady didn't just look at numbers. She actually had followed you personally. She felt a personal connection because the things the Lord had laid on your heart had resonated with her. Mm. And that, that is who the Lord had prepared to be your publisher. Um, and that, that's, that's a really amazing thought. It's like that concept of the good works that the Lord's prepared in advance for us to do. Mm. Um, I felt like he did that for my publisher as well. And she's the one that told me, Abby, this is generations. This is not just single mamas. This is generations. Like this is, this is, this matters. Um, so when you were like, how did that happen? What did that look like for you? I've been really processing that as those sales reports came in. I, I just, looked at Sean, my husband, the other day, and I'm like, I, I don't, <laughs> I don't get this, but I'm so grateful. The Lord is so good, but I don't get it. This is amazing. Mm. That is just incredible. I mean, it's just so clear and, and so evident, like talking to you and hearing more of your story, how much God's hand has been over the whole entire process and how it's so clear that this happened because he has so much to say and so much to speak into this generation of mothers, you know, to encourage them to pursue him and what a blessing kids are, you know, um, it, it truly is an amazing rebellion against our society and what our society is trying to to push onto moms and onto children. I mean, I'm just speechless. I don't even know. I I couldn't even put into words how inspired I am by just the testimony of, of how the Lord has worked through this book, through you, and through your ministry now. Well, and I I think that finding myself where I am as far as who I tend to I tend to shy away from words like influence or whatever, but we are called to be influencers, regardless of what our audience is, regardless of the medium. We are called to be lights for Christ, and so I find myself shying away from it to some and saying, "Well, that's not who I am. That's not that's somebody else." But mm-hmm. I think wherever the Lord puts us, when it's so clear that He's put us there because we're not the ones that made it happen, then we have to be willing to say okay lord i never see it looking like this but Mm. you know what you're doing and therefore you will accomplish your purposes um Mm. that's that's what that's what gives me hope and faith in the process whereas if i were just thinking about my hope and faith in humans my nerve would probably fail how amazing is that i mean i can say that i've seen that so much in my own life with different things what advice would you want the woman listening to this episode, the mom, the wannabe mom, the um, whatever season of life that she's in, what advice could you give um, to the woman listening today that you'd want them to walk away with? I think that it can be really easy to assume, now I've told you my testimony of being kind of an unlikely mother of 10 kids, but when you hear that I have 10 kids, you probably, it's easy to assume that that's where I believe every woman's identity should be. Um, I do believe that motherhood is an incredible gift. I do believe that it is for many women, but my advice would be to seek the Lord with your whole heart, soul, Mm -hmm. mind, and strength to, um, to turn to him first and to be an, ardent reader and seeker of his will through the pages of scripture um we have an epidemic of biblical illiteracy in our culture yeah we have people that don't know what god's word says even though 
we have more access to it than any other generation in the history of the world. Mm. We can put it on our phones. We can ask a robot to read it to us. We can walk into practically any store in the United States or many other developed countries and find seven different translations at our fingertips. And yet we also live in the most distracted and confused generation that has definitely ever existed because we also have the ability to constantly be entertained and our minds filled up with things online Mm -hmm. and everyone's opinion and when you have all those clamoring voices competing for your affection and your attention it's hard to know truth unless you're willing to invest in knowing truth with the capital c through god's word Mm -hmm. so my biggest encouragements are seek the word through prayer seek the word through um through meditating on his word seek the word through memorizing scripture and reading it daily and learning the historical and linguistic context for it like put the work in because there is treasure there Mm. I love that you shared that because actually today I was um reading a quote and I cannot for the life of me at this moment remember who said it it was either Charles Charles Spurgeon or um, C.S. Lewis who said this, and it is that the the problem with culture is, or the lack of knowledge of God is lack of um, knowledge of his word, and that we can't know God's word without, or know God's will without knowing God's word. And I'm obviously just paraphrasing something that was said so much more eloquently, but I feel like that just you know, comfy embodies what you said. We can't know what God's will is if we don't know his word and how much of a life we will lack um, if we're trying to live for Christ, if we're not in his word and, and, and truly seeking to learn it. Yeah, and there are actual verses in the Bible that say this is the will of God for you in Christ Jesus. Mm, yes. Think of how many times we want to know God's will for our lives. And what we mean is we want knowledge. Mm. We want We want details. But then we are actually ignoring verses that tell us this is the will of God for you in Christ Jesus. Mm-hmm. Um, and when we when we are obedient to those explicitly stated, this is the will for you of God in Christ Jesus, we are able to then have clarity in decisions going forward as the Lord reveals the next step mm-hmm. instead of what we truly desire, which is kind of a spreadsheet for our lives like we we would like to be able to just sit down and pull it up and see all the things the Lord is saying no my wisdom is not like man's wisdom man's wisdom said you should have a five-year plan my wisdom says hey you know in my case you may not get the dream of your heart and this desire that won't go away until 32 years after you first had it you know and that will be my perfect timing wow and it'll be very different for other people but it's still true his timing is is good and it's perfect Mm, that is amazing. I'm I'm honestly just so inspired by you, so inspired by your heart for the Lord. Um, with everything you said, I just I was listening and I was like, wow, they, these are all just such golden nuggets. I I have no idea what even quotes I'm gonna pull because there's just so many quotes to pull from our show because you're just so clearly filled with the Lord's wisdom and and a heart for the Lord and the Lord's truth. And I just want to thank you so much for all that you're doing and, and taking the time to hang out with us on today's show. It is my pleasure. Thank you for having me. Where can all of the listeners of today's episode go ahead and find you online and connect with you? 
Yeah, so I have been blogging for, uh, like I said, about a dozen years at msformama.net. I have over 600 posts there for you to look at. I primarily spend time on Instagram at m.is.for.mama. So msformama is separated by periods. Um, I'm also on Facebook, and you can sign up on my um, on my website for my newsletter as well. Amazing. Thank you so much.